Undercover work basically is thinking quickly on your feet. And that's yes. all it is. They put on cocaine and prostitutes. Yeah. You know, so we had to think, well, how's this going to look in court? And uh, But more so, how's it going to look if we refuse? This is Life and Crimes. I'm Andrew Rule. This week, we have special guest Damien Marrett. Thanks for coming in, Damien. Ah, it's great to be here again. It strikes me that if you are an intelligent and reasonably sensitive person, which I think you would have to be to be an undercover, that it would be extremely stressful living a lie and having to maintain two sets of, of reactions, mm. you know, the, the, your, your real reactions that, that is in the back of your mind and the one that's got to come out of your mouth in yep. order to maintain cover, in order to maintain your own safety. Mm. That, that must wear you down after a while. Uh, look, I, I think it does. Living a fake life, even to f- sort of well, a, you're playing, fake relationships? You, yeah, well, everything was fake. Um, so from, your friendships become, From your name, from your friendships. Um, friendships are not real, and yet they become real yeah. enough to distress and, you when the yep. bus goes on, is that right? And then you've also got the uh, the old Australian sort of thing of being a dobber. Yeah, you know, okay. I'm, you're actually dobbing on your friends, but they're not your friends. I'm with you. Yeah, <laughs> you right. know, so, but, um, it messes with your emotions. Look, it does. And because your, your you, sense of self. I feel that because I did it for the six or seven years, that... Um, that period in my time, which was the, the time when you sort of start finding out who you are, you know, your late 20s or your 20s and uh, into your 30s, you, that's when you make all your sort of foundations in life. You might buy a house, you might get married, you, you make your long-term friends. Yeah. Um, but if all those friends <laughs> aren't real or they're not accessible anymore because they're all locked up yeah. um, and you feel guilt over that, right. plus you don't know what your real values are anymore because you're spending half the day. Like a job doesn't happen where I say, oh, really, I'll meet you and uh, I'll no. buy X yeah. amount of cocaine. No. It could be six months. Well, yeah. Yeah, but even just one day of saying, oh, okay, bring the kilo, that kilo could take eight hours to turn up. So yeah. I'm sitting there for eight hours getting to know you personally, yeah. you know, and we're away. So you, you don't have other distractions. It's all really focused on each other. Yeah. So you do get to know them and you speak like a crook and you start not believing that you're a crook, yeah, but, but you find it easier yeah. <laughs> to speak like a crook because that's all you're doing. Of for, course you have you know, to. So, you, have, yeah. Yeah. you have to live that yeah. life and live that lie. So it's got to play with you. Hard mind. on a very, on a, especially on somebody young who's going to be good at it. Exactly. But it's very hard on them because yep. it's the entire adult and, life. And look, you do get caught up in it and a lot of it's ego. There is not an undercover out there that doesn't have a big ego. I mean, it it's goes... A, well, it's sort of an acting job, isn't it? Yeah, it goes yeah. with the job. It is so like movies and actors. I've seen some of these undercovers that can sort of cry on cue. Yeah. I mean, I've cried on jobs, yeah. and it's been fake, Yeah, you know, but I couldn't... Oh, I probably... Uh, as an example of how that would come up. Uh, we... And look, I feel really embarrassed about this job. Um, I really look back at it, and it didn't go anywhere, but he was a big drug dealer, but he had uh, cancer. Mm. And I looked up a, a type of cancer, and I said, I had cancer. And I chatted with his wife, and... You know, we were hugging and we, you know, we're going through all these treatments, her husband and me. Then I sit down with him and I became his best friend because we were oh. going through the same thing. Oh my God. And you reckon I didn't feel like a, oh. you know, a dead set ass, you oh, know, and nice, um, even put on the tears and I oh. walked out of there thinking you've, 
literally you've gone too far. What about relationships? Like you, you know, you meet the the crook's daughter or the crook's sister or the whatever it is, you mm. know, something. Um, so it, it to play along, mm. you make the conversation with the woman and she's yep. keen on you, whatever, because you know you're the young surfy looking crook. Mm. And um, how does that go? Because oh, you can sort of do anything up to a certain extent. I mean, what you've got to keep in your mind is how is it going to look in court. Yeah. Oh, so, right. yeah. you know, there was a, an incident, um, a little bit different, but on um, the Griffith job, mm. where um, on this certain night after we'd done uh, some buys and things, mm. they put on cocaine and prostitutes. Yeah. You know, so we had to think, well, how's this going to look in court? And yeah. uh, But more so, how's it going to look if we refuse? So what's the answer to that? Well, we decided to go ahead with it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, it's safer um, than getting shot. Exactly. And yeah. look, it was all a, a game by them because those prostitutes, and I mean, it was so obvious, they were quite young. When I say young, they yeah, were yeah, legal yeah, yeah. age. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, they'd been told to get information out of us. Yeah. You know, and their questions were just... Obvious. <laughs> obvious. You yeah, know, okay. so, you know, so, but you do have in the back of your mind, like, that was the first time in my life I'd ever used cocaine yeah never even i think i'd had one drag of a joint you know yeah. that's how naive i was to drugs so to do that like i was i was panicking like what what's it going to do to me because yeah, exactly. you hear all these stories yeah yeah and didn't uh, overcome the uh, the instinct of self-preservation though no, no. well look uh, in the end all i noticed i mean it was nice it, it you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, that drugs are horrible because people wouldn't take them if they're horrible. <laughs> it was nice, but uh, you know, I used to transcribe my own tapes, and yeah. I noticed what it did. <laughs> it, oh. put a, it put another hour of transcribing on my tape because oh, I was it? speaking a million miles an hour and uh, full oh. of confidence. You know, so is that right? Mm, so that's interesting. Yeah. Well, that, that's a tricky situation. I mean, mm. if that were filmed as a drama. Mm. That is a very tense scene, isn't it? Where mm. you've got to fake. Yep. Well, you've got to fake everything. You've got to fake the whole thing. Mm. And look, it, to a young bloke like myself, I did have a very black and white uh, belief of what was right and wrong. Yeah. And prostitutes weren't something that uh, sat well with me at, no. at that age. Because, yeah. I mean, I was okay looking when I was younger and stuff like that. And uh, it just didn't sit right with me. And I, I did. I, I had a little trouble in the following weeks about it you know it just it just felt like suddenly it went from doing police work to something else dirtying myself up yeah you know? okay so and that and that's hard to hard to remove mm. it stays with you oh, yep or you get very blunted yep yeah okay. but then there's also like uh the you know undercovers i was talking about before and some having trouble i mean one of them that did a job he's got a lifetime pretty much a lifetime threat from the group that he uh, infiltrated. Yeah. You know, now that's a hard thing to live with all your life. Yeah. You know, all for the next, you know, 10, 15, yeah. 20 years. Yeah. Um, so that just, we won't go into who yeah. that is, but I've got a rough idea. Uh, so that person has probably got a whole set of uh, ID, mm. including passports. No. That, no? Coppers oh. don't look after anyone from that era. You're kidding. No. I would have thought he had a something. No. no. So if, he, if that fella travels uh, on his... He travels under his real own, name. Yep. Oh, well, that's interesting. I mean... That wouldn't be much fun. Some undercovers initiated name changes at the right time when it was quite easy 
right. to get that documentation stuff. Okay. Uh, others didn't. So they could revert yeah. in the future back to their yeah. birth names? Yeah. Well, or, um, whatever, if they, or they could to. keep the another the new name. One. Because yeah, okay. you never knew, if you're going to use a, uh, a, a different name legally, that name would never be used in an undercover job. Right. Like uh, I had... Uh, yeah. I think I could name 20 names I used. Did you use variations on a theme so they were close to home? Um, so, you know, yeah. so let's say your own family and friends call you Damien. Damien, yeah. Um, would you pick a name that's a bit that way? Um, yeah, one of my first Dave names was Damon. Damon, Damon yeah. Bird, because <laughs> yeah. the birds were a crook family. Oh, right, yeah. Um, but uh, a lot of the names, I, I'd just pick out different names Sometimes I used uh, my middle name uh, with a yeah. different surname. Yeah. Uh, once I came up with a name, uh, Victor Pullock. Oh, yeah. I know I don't look like no. that sort of nationality, but uh, uh, when you yeah. break it down, yeah. can you see what it is? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Vic Pole. Oh, very. Vic Pole, you see. <laughs> very funny. Victor mm. <laughs> Pullock. <Yeah. laughs> oh, that is excellent. And does it take a while to, to respond to the... No. You soon pick it up? You pick it up kind of straight away. Do you? Yep. Like, like changing your password yep. on your laptop? I mean, man. you know, everyone thinks, oh, what if somebody said the name, word Damien? And just because you look around at somebody, if they said Damien, I mean, people look around all the time, you know. Yeah. People get over paranoid, you know. Yeah. So undercover work basically is thinking quickly on your feet. And that's yes. all it is. If you don't have that, you don't have anything. You can be the toughest guy in the world. You can, uh, you know, take stress on like it's nothing. But if you can't think quickly on your feet, because yeah. you never know what's going to happen. Now, yeah. what if somebody walks into a room when you're out doing something yeah. and they know you? You really have to live it. Yeah. And be it. Yeah. And, you know, you have to quickly say, all right, I know this guy from school. What am I going to do? Because he's going to walk up and say... Well, my name at school was Billy, <laughs> but yeah. he's going to walk up and say Billy or Marit, you know. Yeah. And um, so I have to diffuse that before right. that actually happens. And how would you do that? That that terrifies me. I would uh, make sure that I was just out of reach of uh, the others and I would get angry at him and he would get pissed off. He'd leave or whatever. Oh. Uh, and then um, I'd say, yeah, I owe the prick money. Oh, you know, okay. Something like that. So you'd pull on yeah, a Or he's a druggie. He's after. Yeah. You know. Okay. Yeah. So you just have to really, you know, jump. But like know, you just walk up and say, "I thought I told you to yeah, stay away." It might even be where you push him. Yeah. You know, and you might just give him an eye. But yeah. um, see, the, unfortunately, they didn't know what you were doing. Your friends from school. So no. you know, you, they just thought, "Marit's gone crazy." You know. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, tricky, isn't it? Mm. A troubled young woman. Her evil parents. We never had any issues between us. Has justice been done? I'm in a prison. Join journalist Richard Gilliatt as he delves into one of Australia's most gripping cases. Shadow of Doubt, a new podcast investigation from The Australian. I cannot find one of these allegations that's possible. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. I know uh, one story which is well-known already, but uh, someone you work with, he walked down the street with some of the mafia guys he was in with and his daughter stepped out of a restaurant where she worked mm -hmm. and said, G'day, Dad. Mm -hmm. He had to make something up on the spot. 
mm. and go crazy. I don't know who she's um, who she's who she thinks she's talking to. It, it really fits in because it's one of the things that everybody asks. What if somebody you know walks up? Yeah. You know, it's one of the first questions. Well, it's terrifying. Mm. Well, it is. But it's more terrifying um, the way we used to do undercover work back then, which was fly by the seat of your pants type thing and don't worry about the dogs, the, the surveillance yeah. following you or cover. Just go with the crook. If the house is somewhere and the dogs lose you, you you're just there. And if the supplier walks in and he's a crook, you've already done. Oh, that's the scary time. Oh, mm. yes. Mm. Uh-oh. So, Haven't I met you somewhere before? You know, you're trying to chat and be all friendly and have a couple of drinks and oh. and uh, waiting for this supplier. And you don't know who it is. Oh, no. Nobody that's... knows. The coppers don't know who it is. That's not good. And then the door, knock on the door, and oh, it's that horrible feeling like this oh. face that's going to appear. Uh, so. Have you ever been in a situation where a familiar face walked in? Uh when and you I was, did get the scare? No, I thought I knew somebody on the jet or the plane that we took up to the top of um, Australia and on the tape, because we had a tape running in the uh, plane. This is the Griffith job. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, actually put uh, my T-shirt over my head like a little um, kind of uh, scarf thing because I just did not know where I knew this guy from. And um, that whole trip was sort of, you know, you're on the anxiety was running high because I just thought I can't remember him but he looks familiar is he going to remember me eventually you know so you wouldn't want to be up in the sky when when he does you know oh. so but um yeah you you do sort of see faces here I mean the funniest thing is after I finished all this work and uh and I'd see guys in the toilets who I'd locked up and they couldn't even remember me is that and right? I had, um, you know, uh, Louis Cotto, you know. Yeah. I fucking know you from somewhere. I fucking know you. Yeah. You know, and... Um, Son of Franco Cotto. Yes. So. Oh, I see. And, um, yes, uh, he, he, Lou did go down for that. Yeah. And his, uh, in the interview room, it was all about, uh, I'm not a criminal, I just wanted to be a gangster. You know, that oh. was his... his that was his defence. Yeah. Didn't really wash. Didn't we he didn't believe he was a criminal. How many years did he get? Um oh, right. should have bought right. my police story. I think um I think he only got uh, eighteen months or something. Oh, just to go back to mm. the plane trip. You put a T shirt over your head, what would be the excuse for any normal person putting a T shirt over their head? Well, it was so hot. It was so oh you when you got out of the plane. No, in the plane. In the plane. Like so. it was only a little Cessna. Yeah. So, right. you know, <laughs> It was just Hot. like a sauna. Like this room. Um, we're up the top of Australia. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was sitting there bare-chested with the oh. thing. But that was where um, uh, Trimbali sort of uh, spoke about the NCA bombing as well. So, you know, there wasn't time to sort of worry about this other guy because uh, both myself and the, yeah, the yeah, guy I was working yeah. with were, you know, we wanted uh, him to talk about that. And, uh, you know, I still remember his words were... Um, it's family. That man hurt our family. Right. You know, it had to be done. And the NCA bombing you refer to, of course, is the one in Adelaide. Bowen. Mm. Jeffrey Bowen. Uh, Jeffrey Bowen, who was a... So he was... An NCA official, was he? National yeah, Crime no, he was a detective sergeant, I Detective think. sergeant. And, um, you know, a parcel was sent to the NCA building. In and, Adelaide. Um, yeah, basically he died because yeah. it blew up. And, um, you know, uh, it's no surprise that... Uh, well, everyone knows that the, the Italians were behind it and um, 
Dominic Perry was looked at quite closely and um, I think he continues to get looked at. Um, but um, No one was convicted? No, I, d- I don't think so. The trip to the north of Australia, just for those listeners who aren't familiar with it, you ended up landing, I think, on an island. Horn Island. Horn Island, yep. which is off Queensland? Well, it's actually um, right up the tip. So oh, it's not yeah, actually an uh, island. Stra- it's called Horn Island, I think, but it's on the mainland. Oh, okay. So the airport, On the York Peninsula. Yeah. So the airport there has one customs guy that right. lives on the island. Right. Or they call it the island. But yeah. um, another thing Trimboli said on the plane was, oh, if there's any trouble with him, we'll just pull him onto the plane and throw him out when we're up in the air. Okay. You know, it was that... How'd that make you feel? Well, <laughs> well at first I thought, geez, we've got to protect this guy. How are we going to do that? Do we try and get him removed? But I kind of, a little bit of me, felt... Some, not not that it was funny, but it was a really weird sort of thing for somebody be, to be that blasé about killing somebody. This is Robert Trimboli. Yeah. Or the son. Ross Trimboli. Ross. Rosario. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So he's still alive, Hyrus. Um, so, yeah, it, uh, you know, there was a lot of stuff that happened in that job that uh, you, you just realise how well organised they were. I mean, they're... Their only mistake was letting a couple of Aussie guys come into their group, yeah. which they didn't normally do. You know, they kept them at a far. But um, the guy I worked with infiltrated and uh, did a brilliant job yeah. and, um, you know, set it up for uh, a really good job. So And he poses a crooked art dealer, which yeah. is a, yep. a very good cover because cover, it's uh, laundry money. Laundry yeah. money. Yeah. They needed people like that. Exactly. Exactly. It played so, straight to their yep. strength. And... Were you armed? Because had something really ugly like that happened, it would be very sad to be up and... Uh, I wasn't armed because um, even though I, the guy I was just talking about who did a yeah. great job infiltrating says yeah. this didn't happen, uh, it's on all our information uh, yeah. reports and so forth. Yeah. I actually went to the farm with uh, Ross Trimpoli yeah. and was walked up um, the Orange Grove right. with him behind and I wasn't armed and... Right. You know, it was it was set up by Ross for me to feel um, if I was going to blow my cover, that was going to be the time to do it. And on the way there, he'd been talking about this guy who did a job in Mildura, who looked like a, a surfy, long blonde hair. Yeah. And he described me because it was my job that he was talking about oh, right. on his uh, cousins. You know. Oh, is that right? And so I'm sitting there in disbelief thinking he's playing with me. You know, but then he says, oh, you know, he used to call me Ben. Uh, Brother Ben, you've got to be very careful, you know, blah, 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 you know. And it was all right. But then we pull up and uh, he says, oh, I've got something for you. Yeah, what? And uh, walk with me, walk with me, you know. And, uh, you know, nothing on me, no devices, no gun, because he just pulled me out of, you know, we were just up there. And he just said, come with me, pulled me in the car. And, um Anyway, he's walking, he, t- he told me to kneel down, you know, when we get to the end. And, yeah. you know, what's going through your head? You've seen, yes. We've all seen enough mafia. What's going through your head? Uh, a nine-millimeter <laughs> bullet. Yeah. You know, and he says further. And, you know, so I, I'm kneeling and crouching my head. I'm just thinking, I'm not even looking, <laughs> to, you know, because I'm thinking, oh, this is obvious what's going to happen. So 
what am I going to do? You know, um, and then you know, I'm I'm sure he thought, uh, oh, the black pajama coppers, the SOG, are going to jump out of everywhere and arrest him, and he's done nothing. You know, so oh, oh so it was a, a way to, to draw them yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, okay, just to see. But um, you know, underneath, when I sort of uh, did start moving more under the the scrub and bushes, there was um, you know, black bags full of uh, grass. That was, oh. um, you know, another side sort of drug that he was selling. So, oh, okay. So you know, it's so he had he had his he had his cover story. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to shoot him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you know those sort of things, <laughs> but um, mm. and so you passed the audition. Yes. You became trusted the, by him. Yeah. And the families, and did you eat with them and all that stuff up there? Yeah. Look. Um, we would go to Tony's house quite often. Um, so how did you like Tony? Friend. Tony Romeo. I really liked him <laughs> until he sort of did the slit throat thing in the when he was in the witness box. But um, and he he did. I saw a nastier side of him, and obviously he was angry. I can't blame him. Um, but um, during the job, he was really calm, really uh, great personality, friendly. You know. Um, encouraging you know his family were nice um you know i met his daughter his wife um same as you know his wife, wife. their former miss sergi yeah and um how did she go after his death did she um, i don't know i saw a uh, news article i don't know whether it was the age or herald um but they had a double spread on him um and a big photo of him with the family i've got it at home if i need to refer to it for you mm-hmm. um so, you know, I don't know, but, um, you know, it's, it would have been hard for her, but I mean, look, she's got to have realized as well. And the whole families, you know, they carry on, you know, oh, you know, I've lost so much, but, um, you know, on his, um, tax records, you know, he's making 20 grand a year for, uh, orange farming mm. and, you know, he's got a million dollar house back then. In uh, Mildura. He'd have a $20,000 watch on. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they're driving around in Porsches and goodness knows what. You know, they're spending five grand a day on, uh, you know, girls and uh, drugs and things. So, you know, come on. (laughs) Who's he he kidding? And if he had not been spending the money on the drugs and girls, maybe he'd be alive today. Maybe. Uh, thanks for coming in, Ruli. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that we've got much more to talk about, and I look forward to it uh, with great anticipation, I must say. <laughs> coming up next week. Well, apparently he walked into jail the first day he was there, and he picked the worst crook in there and beat the shit out of him. The main crook that we put away, Tony Romeo, uh, I think he lasted about three weeks before he got shot on his farm. Access a world of true crime podcasts on Crimex Plus, where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week, we're waking up to a dead woman, a dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother. It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt, and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free, and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth, and I thought he was dead. Another one been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime.